Uh, and a couple weeks ago, I, I was dealing with this topic on the difference between natural seeing and spiritual seeing. You know, this series has been uh, really birthed out of Proverbs chapter 29 about without vision, people perish, right? Without, without vision, people perish. And that word perish, uh, yeah, it can mean die, but it really means it means if you don't have vision, you're going to let go. That's one of the Hebrew definitions for perish is let go. Another one is to go backwards. If, if, you, don't, if you don't have vision, you're going to go backwards. But it says, he who has the law, happy is he. And we know what the law is. That's the word, right? That's the word. So, so if you don't have vision, you're going to perish. But yet, if I have the word. See, the word is what gives you the vision. The word is what gives you the vision. And this whole series about, about looking ahead is all about, about going forward in faith. Going forward in faith. We are heritage of faith and we are a word of faith church. And, and we, we, we're, we're continuing to grow up in the things of faith and growing stronger in faith. So as we talk about looking ahead, we're talking about looking forward in faith. Amen. And so if you have your Bibles, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we dealt with this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I dealt with this a couple weeks ago. Verse 18. It says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Now, get that. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen. So, we're not to look at the things we can see. But then it tells us that we need to look at the things that we can't see. <laughs> In the natural mind, that just doesn't make sense, right? Meaning, meaning how Paul is living his life and how Paul is choosing to live his life is not based on his surroundings. It's not based in his circumstances. It's not based on, on what, what, what is going on in the news, what's happening around him. He's saying, while we look not at the things that are seen, but we look at the things that are not seen. You know, in the next chapter, it says we walk by faith and not by sight. So that lets me know that, that there's a different type of seeing that we're to live by, right? We're to live based on... The, the things that are eternal, not the things that are temporary. Because he says those things that we can see, they're subject to change. So whatever you're facing in your life right now, whatever you're dealing with, whatever's going on in your family, whatever's going on in your finances, your physical body. He says those things that you can see, the things that you're getting from your five physical senses, those things are temporary. But yet we're to look at the things that we can't see because those things are eternal. You see, if we, if we go up and we look at um, verses 8 and 9, Paul says this. He says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. So everything he's here, he says here are, are factual things. These are things that he can see. These are things that he's hearing about. These are things that, that he has knowledge of, but he says we're troubled on every side. You know what? You can, if you have trouble on every side, you can see it. But yet he has the audacity to say, yet I'm not distressed. 
I'm perplexed. But you know what? I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, but you know what? I'm not forsaken. I'm cast down, but I'm not destroyed. How could the Apostle Paul live with this perspective? Because he was living, he was living the God kind of faith. That wasn't based on what you saw in the natural. But you're living based on what he could see in the supernatural. See, your, 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 your flesh, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions are going to constantly run, can run you up and down. Up one day, down the next. You know, everything is going to be based on, on what the things look like. If you're in stock, stock market, you're, the happiness of your day is going to be based on what the Dow was. You know, you know, if you're, if you're basing your, your happiness based on, on whether you feel healed or you don't feel healed, you're, you're, you may constantly be up one day and down the next. So we have to get to a place where we live on another plane. We walk by faith and not by sight. We, we, we don't, we look not at the things that are seen, but we look at the things that are not seen because the things that are not seen are eternal. Let's look at Psalms chapter 40, Psalms chapter 40. How you see things, how you see things has everything to do with how, how you choose to see things will be how your day goes. It's seriously how you choose to see things. Now, it's not that I don't deny things are happening. It's not that I, that, that there's, there's difficulties that I'm facing. The thing is, is I can't let the difficulties shape my emotions. I can't let that dictate if I'm going to be happy or not. I can't let that dictate if I'm going to have joy or not. Because none of those things, none of the, the, the happiness that has nothing to do, can't be what's, what I'm facing. I have to bring everything back to the word. If I'm looking ahead, what I'm dealing with tonight is about keeping your eyes on God. Let's look at Psalms 40. Psalms 40 verse, verse 12. The psalmist says, for innumerable evils have compassed me about. My iniquities have taken such hold on me that I'm not able to look up. I get that. Innumerable evils. Now, this word innumerable here means this is how this is really how this translates in the Hebrew. I am a zero and my enemy is an infinite number. So when he says my enemy is a is innumerable. Meaning, meaning, meaning I am nothing and my enemy is everything. That, that's how, you know, and, and there's times in my life or, or you face situations in your life, you can feel that way. Right. You can feel that all hell has come against you, that everyone's against you, that, that, that you're like Paul, I'm, 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 I'm pressed on every side, I'm persecuted, I'm cast down. You know, and, and the thing is, is Paul could have that same perspective that I have innumerable enemies coming against me. And he says, innumerable evils have compassed me about. My iniquities have taken such hold on me that I'm not able to look up. 
See, you, you, can, you, can, you can be in that same place where you have so many things coming against you, you can't see the proper perspective. You can't look at the thing you need to look at. You, you, know, you, know, you, need to look, you know you need to look in the Word, but you don't feel like looking in the Word. You know you need to pray, but you don't feel like praying. You know you need to go to church, but you don't want to go to church. You, you I mean, why? Because, because you have so many things going around you. You have, even he says, my iniquities are, are, are so, so, take such hold on me. That word iniquities there is, is not necessarily sins, but it's weaknesses. Meaning my weaknesses are, 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 are so in my face that I, don't, I, I can't even look up. I, I can't look in the right direction. He goes, they are more than the hairs of my head. And my heart has failed me and forsaken me. My heart has failed me. Now, now, where is faith? In two places, right? Can you help me out? There you go. Faith is in your heart and your mouth. So here, what we're hearing the psalmist say, he's saying, because of all these things coming against me, my heart has failed me. And if we're not careful, it doesn't matter how much of a faith person you might be, if you're, not, if you're not continuing to build your faith, if you're not continuing to have the right perspective, you're going to, you're going to, your heart may fail. Because it's not all of a sudden you built faith one day and you're going to have that level of faith the rest of your life. No, it's faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. It's not about what you heard five years ago. It's not what you heard about last week. It's not that you heard, oh, I heard that faith message years ago. No, it's something that you need to continue to hear because if not, your heart will eventually fail you. And that means that when difficulties do come, it's going to be hard for you to respond like the Apostle Paul and say, you know what? I don't look at the things that are seen, but I look at the things that I don't see. Verse 13 says, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Verse 14, let them be put to shame and confounded together who seek and require my life to destroy it. Let them be driven backwards and brought to dishonor who wish me evil and delight in my hurt. Let them be desolate, desolate by reason of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. Meaning those ones that are mocking me, let them become desolate. Verse 16, then he says this, let all those who seek and require you rejoice and be glad in you. Now get that. Let all those who seek and require you rejoice and be glad in you. And let such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. Now, even though the apostle, even though the psalmist that's writing here, he can't lift his head. He has all these evils coming against, against him. And he talks about the persecutions that he's receiving Yet he still knows that he has to change his perspective. He has to change what he's looking at. He has to change what he's viewing. So why is he saying, he's saying, you know what? He says, let all those who seek and require you. What's he saying? You know what? Yeah, I've got innumerable evils coming against me. But you know what? I'm going to seek you. I'm going to look at you. I'm going to require you. And it says, let such as love your salvation 
say continually, the Lord be magnified. As for me, really in the natural, I'm poor and needy, meaning I need something. Yet the Lord takes thoughts and plans for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Oh God, do not tarry. So here we see the psalmist changed his perspective. Now I want to just, just kind of let us just see some things here. Now I have different things written on in some of these papers. We've got, we've got lack. We've got, we've got disease. We've got confusion. There's fear. Depression. And then we have God. Now, 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 now one thing that, that, that people face these things, and when you deal with certain things in life, that you may be at a point in your life where, where, where God has become big in your life. But yet, if you're, not, if you're not careful and you're not continuing to build your faith, then what happens is, is really lack and God become the same size. You know, it's, you see, God is not just another compartment of my life. God, God, God is not just, just the same size as everything else in my life. He's not the same size as, 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 as he, he's not, he, he, he has so much more, there's so much more value in God than the nightly news. There's so much more value than, than, than a doctor's report. There's so much more value, but yet, but yet if we're not careful, then God just becomes like anything else that I'm facing. He just becomes a religious term, just a religious idea. But yet the apostle Paul in the midst of, of, of innumerable evils facing him, what does he say? He goes, let God be magnified. See, that, that's, now, the word magnify isn't just, just a really a, a cool spiritual word that, that we can say, well, hey, let's, let's magnify the Lord together, and we all clap our hands. But what does magnify mean? It means to make bigger. It means to make bigger. So if I'm dealing with any of these things in my life, that's not, that not for you to feel, that's not for you to feel less than because you're dealing with things. I, Annette and I face things. We, we deal with things. We face, face challenges. We face obstacles where we don't know what, what, what steps the next step. We, we face physical symptoms, physical challenges. You know, it was a couple of years ago, Annette and I, uh, uh, we were at the Believers Convention, and, and there was some symptoms that she was experiencing in her body, and, and, and you know, it, it had, was going on for a long period of time. And, and so she went and got a, got a test, and they said, well, you know, there, there's a, they said, there's a, you know, we see a mass on your pancreas. And so, and so here, you know, here we, we're, we're, we're at the Believers Convention, and, and, and so she actually steps out to take this phone call, she comes back in and, and tells me while worship's going on what, what, they, what they were saying. And so we're like, okay. I mean, so you hear news like that. So it doesn't matter. In the natural, you hear something like that. There's a mass on your pancreas. Where, where would your mind go? Right? But the, what we had to come to this point was, is, is you know what? <laughs> we're going to hear the word. Now I could I, at that time we could make we could make we could make the, the we could make the the obstacle in God the same size in allowing that to take precedence. 
But you know what we had to, we had to choose to do is, you know what? I'm going to magnify the Lord right now. I'm going to, I'm going to magnify the Lord right now. How, how big is God in your life when you face difficulties? Do you allow, do you allow everything else to have more attention than God? You know, I mean, or, or let's look at it this way. How big is God in your life? Joseph, you want to hold the other side? You know, you can, you can either make God the same size as your lack. Or you can, you can make him the, 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 the answer for pros, of prosperity. You can, you, can, you, can, you can treat him or you can, you can look at him as just, a, just a, 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 a part of your life. Or you can look, him, look at him as the biggest thing in your life. And the thing is, so where do you go when you have innumerable evils surrounding you? Are you going to seek God? Like David said, he said, I'm going to seek God. And then he said, let God be magnified. See, that, that, see what is your perspective? Or, he, he, he goes, and in 2 in, in Corinthians, he says, he goes, he goes, this light affliction that is but for a moment. Worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Because those things that are not seen are temporary. So you have to start seeing the situations, the the issues, the bank account. And seeing all those things as so much smaller in your life. And allow God in his word to become bigger in your life. Thank you, God. You can just lay it flat. There you go. We may use it later. I don't know. You know, Mark chapter 11, verse 22, you don't need to turn there. It says, have faith in God. Now, faith is, is not just an idea. It's not just a, it's not a scripture, just a scripture. But faith ultimately has everything to do with what you see and hear. Faith is about knowing is, is no, when you say, say, I believe, then, you, then it's, not just, it's not just a good idea anymore, but it's a knowing on the inside of you. And, and when things come into our life and attacks come into our life, then what, what the enemy wants to do is always try to shake your knowing. To bring God down to the same size of everything else. Let's go through the life of Abraham for a moment. Let's go to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. Thank you, Father. Genesis chapter 13. Let's look at verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram... After that lot was separated from him, lift up now your eyes and look from the place where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward for all the land which you see to thee will I give it and to your seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth so that a man can number the dust of the earth. Then shall thy seed also be numbered. Verse 17, arise, 
Walk to the land in the length of it, the breadth of it, for I will give it unto you. Then Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Now here, what, what happened here? God speaks to Abram. God speaks to Abram. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when Abraham heard God's word, faith was established in his heart. Faith was, why do I know faith was established in his heart? Because he acted on something. He said he removed himself. If he did not have faith in what God had said, he would have just stayed where he was. But he removed himself. There was an excitement on the inside of him. There was a belief on the inside of him. There was an expectation on the inside of him. So much so that he set up an altar to worship God. There was an excitement. And you know, a lot of times in our lives that we, we, we you know, how many people you can, you can say that you've had an experience with God? You know, I had an experience with God when, 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 I, was, when I was young, but yet I let that experience go. And all it was was just an experience. Temporary change. You know, there's, there's times you go to youth camp. You know, I grew up Church of God and, and we had Church of God camp meetings. And it was every summer, and I hated it. It was hot. People don't understand how hot and humid Maryland gets. You're like, oh, well, you live, it's cooler up there. That's my wife. <laughs> 150% humidity, 95 degrees. It's only about a five-degree difference from here in the summer. On a day, but it's got more humidity. And we're sitting there, and it's bugs. Bugs. There's lots of farms. There's lots of rivers, so there's lots of mosquitoes, and it's hot. You guys say it's hot. You walk outside and you sweat. I mean, you take a you take a shower and you walk outside and and you, it's like you didn't get done drying off. You're you're just as wet as when you you know it, it's it, it's hot. And so every year for years we go to this camp meeting, and yet even though I I didn't necessarily. It was expecting God or, you know, I, I heard God's voice. I, I experienced the presence of God, but yet it didn't make a long-term effect on my life. And, and, and the same thing can happen in our lives where, where, you know, we can get excited about church. We can get excited about God and, and, and we, can, we can come to church and, and all of a sudden just through a period of time, we can lose our passion. We can, we can allow people to offend us. We can, we can allow the pastor to offend us. We can allow all sorts of things to happen. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I'm in the front row, the middle of the church, the back row, then I'm out the door. That's kind of the progression. But, because, but what, what happened is something, something became bigger than God in your life. It, it's kind of like, you know, you, know you, you, you start working out and you start exercising and you're passionate you, you, you get the gym membership, and then, and then the next thing you know, you get all the nice clothes that go along, matching outfits, the right shoes, and, you know, and, and you, you have all, you know, I don't wear yoga pants, so I'm not going to say that, but, but, you know, you have all those things, and, 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 so, and so, but then, then a period of time, because you may not see changes, or you get tired, or thing, thing where, where, it was, where, where working out was so big to you, 
now it just becomes like everything else in your life. And yet the same thing happens with Abraham. He doesn't see changes. He doesn't see things happening. Let's go to Genesis chapter 14. I'm sorry, Genesis 15. Verse 1. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. What came to Abram in a vision? So it was a word of the Lord. Saying, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield, your abundant compensation, and I'm your reward. Shall, and, and your reward shall be exceedingly great. So here God shows up with the word. Shows up and tells him that you're going to be exceedingly great. But then Abraham said, Lord God, what can you, what can you give me? <laughs> Meaning, it's like, I, I hear an attitude here. He goes, since I'm going on childless and he who shall be the owner of my heir of my house is the steward of Eliezer Damascus. And Abram continued, look, you have given me no child and the servant born of my house is my heir. Meaning, I'm not seeing anything change. Nothing's happening. What are we seeing? You know, he's not as excited as he was in Genesis chapter 13. Everything else became just as small, and he's kind of frustrated. And what happens is, is the word that originally came, that built the faith, that caused him to remove and have an expectation, all of a sudden wasn't as big anymore. Thank you, Father. And then verse three, then verse um, four says, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. What came to him? Saying, this man shall not be your heir, but he who shall come from your own body shall be your heir. See, God had an answer to Abraham's lack of discouragement. The discouragement was, well, it's just the heir is going to be got to be him. But what did God answer? He answered to his issue. He's not the heir. So all of a sudden, as God's word comes, Abraham's faith gets built up. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man shall not be your heir, but he shall come from your own body and shall be your heir. And he brought him outside his tent to the starlight and said, Look now towards the heavens and count the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord. He what did what he believed in the Lord. See, God came first with a message that your reward will be exceedingly great. And Abraham didn't even listen. All he could see was the problem. This is my only heir. But God had to come back with another word and gives him a vision and saying your heir is going to be it's not going to be him. It's going to come from you and it's going to be like the stars and what Abraham believed. All of a sudden, God now became bigger. See, God had become just like everything else, but now God became bigger. Why? Because of the word. And he said to him, and, and, and he believed in the Lord and he counted to him for righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord that brought you out of the earth of the Chaldees to give thee the land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And then we know that God made a covenant with Abraham at that point. So here Abraham is excited. Made a covenant. Made a covenant. See, he was in doubt and and in unbelief. He was just sitting there, lost his passion, lost his desire, was allowing everything around him to control his emotions. 
But all of a sudden now, God's wanting to cut a covenant with him, and Abraham's excited again. He's passionate, so much so that he lays out the animals, and all of a sudden, when birds of the air come up, he, he shoes them away. He's like, he's like, hey, hey, I'm, 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 this promise is going to be fulfilled in my life. Nothing's going to steal my promise. 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 And, and he's waving all the, all the, the, the foul of the air away because I don't want anything to come against God and me cutting this covenant because I'm telling you, I'm trusting God is big. He is big in my life. But after a period of time when things still haven't changed yet and things still haven't happened, happened yet, then there's another phase of discouragement. We see that in chapter 16. You all, you all okay? You with me? You getting something out of this? Verse 1 says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bore him no children. She had a handmaiden, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has restrained me from bearing. So now his wife's words become stronger than God's words. I pray thee, see, we we can't allow other people's voices to become bigger than God's voice. I pray thee, go into my maid, that it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. I bet he did. (laughs) But no, but but, but the (laughs) next... But the next thing is, 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 is God was bigger. See, I'm going to be the red-faced preacher now. Stop. Can I rewind that? And <laughs> Yeah. Now, this is, this is the next thing that happens. Is, is when things become the same size as, as God's were everything else, then what happens is, we start heeding to everyone's voice. Then there's another thing that we do. And we try to make it happen ourselves. When everything else becomes bigger than God, we try to be our answer. We try to be our answer. And when we try to be our answer, it gets us in trouble. We can't allow everything else. We can't allow the innumerable evils surrounding us. We can't allow the the negative report. And I'm not making light of anything negative you might be facing right now. But I refuse to give the negative, the attacks of the enemy, stealing, killing, and destroying. I refuse to give that a bigger place in my life. I'm not making light of what you might be facing right now. But my, my role as a pastor, my, my role as a preacher of the word of faith is, is, to, is to cause us to come up in our living and come up in our thinking. And so we can run to all these other things, try to be our answer instead of, the, instead of God being the main answer. So when, when God first came to Abram, he was 70, 75 years old. 11 years later, he was 86, and he has Ishmael. 
Abraham was discouraged and hopeless. But yet, let's go to chapter 17. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, so here's 13 years later after Ishmael. 13, God, Abraham hasn't heard from God in 13 years. And the very first thing that God speaks to him when he shows up, 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply you exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. You see, God's plan never changed. Neither shall your name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come to thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and you, and thy seed after you, and their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession and I will be their God. So now you're saying, well, I be your God, but now I'm going to be their God. But what caused him to all of a sudden come back into this place of faith? God's word. But what did God do? God revealed himself. He revealed himself as God Almighty. You up to this time, Abraham had just known him as Elohim. The creator of all things, all powerful God. But God says, I am almighty God. I am El Shaddai. What was, what was God doing? Every time that God showed up in Abraham's life, it was always to give him another understanding of God. A greater understanding of God. So Joseph, get on that, that side. Let's, let's hold this back up for a minute. So when he showed up in Abraham's life, he said, he says, I am almighty God. That, that's not just a phrase or, that we can call God, but it was a description of God. It was a characteristic of God. It was an attribute of God. It was the nature of God. It was part of his character. And it was is where we get the, the God name of El Shaddai. The God is more than enough. So, so when, when Abraham was looking at his lack, he is saying, well, I'm almighty God. Meaning, meaning if, you, if you just keep me as almighty God, then there's no lack in your life. Yeah, I, I, know, I know Sarah's barren right now, but, but you know what? I'm almighty God. Well, well, I know right now you're old, you're 99 years old, but, but remember, I'm almighty God. I, I know it's been so many years, but realize I'm, I, it doesn't change the fact that I'm almighty God. And so, so what we always have to bring ourselves back to, are we going to allow God to be magnified in our life? Are we going to allow him? See, see that when we look at this, it's I'm looking not at the things that are seen. Abraham was constantly looking at the things that were seen, but he had to come to the place where he was looking at the things that are not seen. He had to look at him as El Shaddai. El Shaddai. Let's look at, let's go back to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 
3. Hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Actually, look at verse 17. It says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Meaning, where His Spirit is, there's the power to be free. Where His Spirit is. Now, without reading this chapter line by line, I understand that Paul's writing here and he, he's comparing uh, the old covenant with the new. And he compares the glory of God of the old with the glory of God of the new. And he, he explains and he, and he says that if the glory that happened under the law that was to provide death had glory... How much more uh, under a new covenant? How much, how much more under a new covenant? And, and, and it compares and it talks about how, how that glory that was under the old, how it, it affected Moses so much that when the Israelites looked at him, they saw his face shine. So much so that he put a veil over his face. And he goes in and so, so it says now when the gospel, now when the New Testament is being read, now when Jesus is being talked about, there's still blinders over their eyes and they can't see the fact that they have a right to be free. They're blinded. They can't see. See, if you're not careful, the enemy will want to blind you in the midst of your battles. Blinds you in the midst of this world. He is the God of this world. And it says he blinds the minds of them that believe not. So that you don't see the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. But right after he talks about how, how the, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is this liberty. He then says this, but we all, but we all, but we all with open face beholding. Beholding is what? You're, I mean, you're looking at something. You're observing intently at something. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. We beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. The, the Amplified says, and all of us as with unveiled face. Because we continue to behold in the word of God as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his very own image and ever increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. You know, you maybe ask, why am I bringing this out? Because this is all in context of what Paul, when Paul gets to, while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Because Paul was choosing to behold something greater than his circumstance. And we beholding the glory of the Lord. Now, the word glory is in this this verse three times. Now, in the Greek, it's it's all the same word, doxa. But yet that first word, the first word glory means, means this. When it says, behold the glory of the Lord. 
So we, we know what, what, whose glory it is, right? It's the Lord's glory, right? So that word glory there means personal excellence. It means qualities or virtues of his nature. So I'm beholding what? I'm looking at his, his personal excellence. I'm looking at his virtues. I'm looking at the qualities of his nature. So when the apostle Paul is writing here, he goes, and beholding. Meaning looking at his qualities. Looking at his personal excellence. So this is what Paul's saying. I'm beholding. We, we all beholding as in a glass. Meaning what our focus is on, our focus is on him. Our focus is on his personal character. Our eyes are working on his personal character. Our eyes are looking at Jesus. Because Jesus was what? He goes, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you go, if you go over the next chapter in verse, in verse four, 6, it says, For God who commanded the light to shine in our darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So if I'm beholding the glory of God, then I have to be also beholding the glory of God is what? When I look at Jesus. When I'm beholding Jesus, I'm seeing the glory of God. So what do we need to do as we have circumstances surrounding us? Symptoms in our, in our physical bodies, bad reports, challenging situations. What do we do? We continue to behold his personal excellence, the nature of God, the character of God. He's a healer. He's a provider. He's a restorer. Because everything that you face in the natural is going to try get, to get God on the same level of everything else. But we have to put a guard around our heart. And make sure we're beholding the right things. So that's actually scripture. If I read it this way. As you behold his qualities and his virtue. It will affect you. And change your life. From one degree of excellence. To another degree of excellence. Or you could say. As I continue to behold his excellence. His virtues. His nature. Beholding that. It will cause my life. To grow from one degree of glory. To the next degree of glory. Beholding him. Beholding him. I want to hand out a couple of things here. Summer, just take that. Now, for a minute, as we let's let's look at because see where do we find where do we find God's nature in the Word? Where do we, where do we, as we're beholding Jesus, Jesus is the word, right? And so let's, 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 let's just unpack. I just want to, get, I mean, there's tons of scriptures, but there's just five scriptures that I want, I want us to read. And the, and the first one is in 1 Samuel chapter 2, 22. 1 Samuel 2, 2. My heart rejoices in the Lord in whom my horn is exalted. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies, for I rejoice in your salvation. Verse 2, there is no one holy like you, Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. You see, when I, if, I could, if, I, if I'm dealing with a situation and I'm facing something, the, the enemy is going to bombard you. But I have to look at the things that are 
not seen. And what's the thing that's not seen? God. And so, so I, I, to build my faith, to establish my faith, strengthen my faith, I have to allow him to be bigger than any other thing. And that, word, that, that scripture says there's no rock. Like what, Deuteronomy chapter 32 says there's no rock like our rock. It says even our enemies know this. Even our enemies recognize this. Let's, let's look at the next one. Psalm chapter 118. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can be mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. So with the first one, we see you need to see there's nothing that compares to him. Making him bigger. You need to establish there's nothing that compares to him. That's in 1 Samuel. The second one, out of Psalms 118, 6 and 7, if you're taking notes... The second thing is, you need to see the Lord as being on your side. When I'm, when I'm beholding Him, looking at Him, see that no, nothing else compares to Him. And the second thing is, see that the Lord is on your side. Now let's read Psalms 89, verse 8. Who is like you, Lord, God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. Now think about that. You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. Now, just take for a moment, if, you, if you're taking that scripture and you're meditating on that scripture and you have things surrounding you and you just meditate on that, think, Lord, you are mighty and your faithfulness surrounds you. Your faithfulness surrounds you. And you just meditate on that. See, what is it going to cause you? It's going to cause you to see God bigger than other things in your life. I, I'm just, I'm just I want you to see now just some just practical aspects on how to build your faith. How to walk through things. Let's look at the fourth thing. Luke eighteen twenty seven. Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So the fourth thing is you need to see that nothing is impossible with God. So when you have things surrounding you, going on around you, well, you're continuing to behold, beholding him. Amen. And let's look, read Psalms 138. Psalms 138, verses 7 through 8. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy and loving kindness, O Lord, endure forever. Forsake not the works of your own hands. Amen. So just in the in, in, in these, man, let me read that again. The Lord will perfect that which concerns you. Your mercy and love and kindness, O Lord, endure forever. Forsake not the work of your own hands. Just if I looked at these five things, and as I'm beholding him in the word and building my faith, strengthening my faith, I see this. You need to see there's nothing that compares to him. You need to see the Lord is on your side. Number three, you need to see that the Lord is not only strong, but he's faithfully strong. Number four, you need to see that nothing is impossible with God. Number five, see that he cares for you and he perfects that which concerns you. You see, that's how you establish your faith. And that's how you cause him to be bigger than any other thing in your life. Let me close with this scripture. Let's go to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Looking ahead, keeping your eyes on God, keeping your eyes on his word. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Ephesians 1, verse 17. This is Paul's prayer. He says that the God... Now, now, (laughs) this is the same one that said, I'm cast down, but I'm not destroyed. Right? And this is his prayer. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, the Father of glory may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding, that give in the revelation the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding, that your eyes, the eyes of your understanding, not your natural eyes, but He's talking about your, your, your faith eyes. There's a difference between natural seeing and spiritual seeing. We walk by faith and not by sight. That the eyes... Of your understanding would be enlightened. Enlightened to what? Three things. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. Number two. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Number 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power. So my prayer over us as a church body. Is that God would not be. On the same level as everything else in our life. If you're battling sickness. That, that God is, is, is rising and becoming bigger than that sickness. If you're dealing with, with lack. That God is coming bigger than your lack. If you're dealing with confusion. That God is bigger than, than that confusion. You're dealing with depression. That God is getting bigger than your depression. And your eyes of your understanding is being opened. And you know you have hope. You understand your inheritance. And you know, you know your eye to the exceeding greatness of his power. That, that he is bigger than anything else in your life. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And I thank you that it enriches us. It equips us. It empowers us. It strengthens us. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that we are growing. We are increasing. Father, I thank you that we, according to your word, are established in the faith. We are established. I thank you, Lord, that every single person here watching by way of Internet, by the word that came forth tonight, I thank you that it strengthened our faith tonight. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that that if if anyone in here is facing attacks, I thank you, Lord, that they get a greater picture of you, that your word becomes bigger, that, that your virtue, that your nature becomes bigger than any and everything that they may encounter or face in their life. And I just thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, that that we are victorious. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You received the word tonight? Amen. Give them a shout of praise of the word if you received that. Amen.